we've been talking about transformation. And the heart of the message is that no matter where you start, where you are right now, doesn't matter what you're going through, your weaknesses, your battles, there is a pathway of transformation where you can come out on the other end a complete child of God in love, in holiness, in all that Jesus is. Do you know that the, the nature of Christ is already in you if you're born again? Already you have a seed inside of you, a nature from Jesus. You know, when, I, when you take a seed and you plant a, maybe an apple seed into the ground, if you were to look inside that seed, you would discover there's an image inside already uh, in that seed of a fully mature apple tree. And that it's going to take the nutrients of the ground, the water and the fertilizer and the, the minerals, and it's going to build the image that's inside of it. The image inside of an apple seed is a full-grown apple tree. It will reproduce that image if you let it grow. Well, it's the same with you. When you were born again, God took the nature, the seed of Adam, out of you and replaced it or quickened it to life to be the nature of Christ in you. So now, right now, as a believer, you have a seed in you, and inside that seed, that nature, is an image of a fully mature, full-grown Jesus in all of His love, in all of His holiness. And that's in you right now. So as a believer, so much of the church has been focused on being busy and trying to win the world with good motives and good intentions. But when we start to lose focus on maturing and allowing the image inside of us to grow and overtake our life, we are going to lack in the long run. We're going to miss the mark of what God really wants for His church to look like. God's hope for His church is to look like Jesus did when He walked on the earth, in love and in holiness. Now, we're going to talk about this because... Today's message I'm really excited to teach on, but a little bit cautious because it's kind of not deep, but it's kind of um, can be can be deep. <laughs> and it's in understanding who you are. See, when you're born again, we know in our Christian language that you could say, I'm a new creature. And many believers say that and know how to quote that verse. That I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But really, to understand that means that you accept that you are this new creature. You're a new creation that has been born again. And so you're born, you're birthed into God. So you just started the moment you were saved. The old you really died when you asked Jesus in your heart. And you were resurrected in newness of life. And so we're going to look over here in Romans. And we want to end today's message with an understanding, really, of who you are. And when you understand today who you are, you'll also be able to see why and where the fight comes from in your life. Why is it that when I decide to do something for God, there's a fight, there's a battle, there's a struggle in my own mind, there's times when I got up to go pray and I set my clock. I want to get up early to go pray in tongues, to go spend some private time with God. And then my alarm would go off and, and I'd hear this voice. Oh, you've been working really hard. 
you can take a break today. You don't need to pray. We'll do it tomorrow. God will understand. You prayed a lot yesterday. And I'll hear this conversation going on in my in my own head. Someone is telling me it's okay not to pray. It's okay to not to be devoted to God. And I deserve a break. And where is this conversation coming from? Who's telling me this? And when you just see today who that is, you'll understand why it's such a a tremendous victory of being a new creation and how everything is possible for you. That you start anew with God. That means that you have God in you, in His nature, and you can have as much of God in your life as you want. I don't care how dysfunctional you are or how even how strong you are, that everything is available to you from God because you are His child. So we're going to start in Romans 8. We're just going to work through a few verses today. Romans 8, chapter 6. The main argument here is coming out of the law to try to regulate your life and going into the new nature. So we'll start here in verse 1, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who are baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So the meaning just starting off here is that when you were saved, Jesus followed you into your place of death. And when you were born again, you were baptized in that death, meaning that you died. The person you were born died the day you were saved. And then you were resurrected. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that's your salvation, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus followed you into your death, the place of death that you were. You were dead. You were in a dead species of Adam. You were destined for hell. Jesus became sin. He followed you to that place of death. And then the same way he was resurrected from the dead, you were able to follow him into that resurrection, into life from death. That's your salvation. But he says something here in verse 2, talking about sin. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So he's making a statement here that the nature of sin that you received at your birth, your first birth, you died to that. It died with Christ. Meaning that you now don't have that nature of sin in you. So why would you live any longer in it? Why would you allow sin to lead your life? So here's the question I asked a bunch of preachers one time. I said, why is it that Christians desire to sin? And every one of them said to me, this is years ago, well, it's because it's the human nature, human nature to sin. And my answer back was, yeah, but we no longer have a nature of sin in us. That nature of sin was crucified. It was put to death at my salvation. I now have the nature of Jesus in me. The actual nature of Christ is in me. That's a seed in me. 
And the image in it is only holiness, is only love, joy, peace, is only sanctification. So here, the nature is gone. You have a nature of Christ in you, but the question is, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So there's a point here to realize that even though the nature of sin has gone out of you, there is a leftover of that nature, a leftover of the old man, and it's called your outward body, the flesh. And many believers, we settle with the flesh kind of as, you know, my outward body, but we need to realize that the outward man is where the outward soul lies. And that's what we're going to learn today. Where does that desire to sin to live your own life in pride, to not fulfill the call of God in your life. Where do those desires come from? Where did that voice come from that said, Alan, you don't need to pray so much. You've been doing good. You need to take a break. That wasn't God. There was one time where I had uh, made a decision to follow God, and it was a hard decision of holding tight in faith. And I remember I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to follow you. And and I heard God speak to me and say, well, if you're going to do that, you need to doubly pray these next two weeks in tongues, and you need to fast extra the next two weeks. And I thought, okay, that's good. I'll do that, God. And then I heard another voice, sounded just like the first voice, said to me, that wasn't me. That was your flesh. You don't need to do those things. I wouldn't have asked you to take this step if it wasn't already in you to do it. At that moment, I understood and learned that my flesh, my outward man, isn't just my fingers and my toes, but it's actually the natural soul. The person I used to be, Alan, the old Alan, he's still there. He was not crucified yet. It's my job to crucify him. But that outward soul, the outward man, has a personality. It wants to lead me. It wants to tell me what's going to make me happy, what's going to make me successful in life. And many Christians, without realizing it, spend their whole life serving their outward man in the name of God. And I'm hoping to spark some curiosity in you today, to make some statements to help you realize that you really are a new creature. And that you are left with this outward body, this outward natural soul that wants to tell you who you are. And it's your job and your duty as a believer to not submit to the outward man, but to actually put him on the cross every day. And and see where many, many believers are stuck is they think, yeah, smoking and drinking and partying and doing those things, that's the outward man. But you're going to see the outward man isn't just those things. It's also who you became before you were saved. So let's read on here. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That's the old nature that the body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin. That's the old nature. For he who has died has been freed from sin. See, you now died at your salvation. You're freed from sin. 
And what that means is not that you're not going to be tempted. It means that the nature of sin that demanded that you give in to sin is no longer in you. You now have a nature of righteousness. So now you are freed to fight against the temptation of sin and to win. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you don't need to pray to be saved to get victory over sin. You're already saved. That death has already happened to that nature. So now you reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. So in other words, I choose that I am a child of God. I reckon myself to be dead indeed to sin, meaning sin no longer gets to tell me who I am anymore. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. He's telling you there is still a source of desires for sin. Sin is not just smoking and drinking. It's missing the mark of what God has for you. It has to do with all of holiness. It has to do with walking in the fullness of love, the fullness of joy of God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So you have a source, a desire of sin that is not from you or your nature anymore. It's from your mortal body. I want you to begin to see your mortal body, the mortal soul part of your soul, as being the source of wrong desires, the source of missing the mark. So when we read sin, I want us to read it now not so much as smoking and drinking, as much as I want, it to, I want to read it as missing the mark of what God has for you in your life. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. So now there is a source of wrong desires in you that's going to request that you use your hands and your mouth in the way you talk, in the way you think, uh, your outward man, to use it for unrighteousness. And here, Paul's saying, don't you, you choose. You have a choice not to let your instruments be used for unrighteousness. You choose against the desires of sin. You have the right to make that choice. So you're seeing a battle here that's within you. It's not the devil, although the devil will use it. It's you, your inner man and your outward man. You have an inner man and an outward man, and they are contrary to each other. They have one is the inner man is righteous because the nature of righteousness. The outward man is unrighteous because it was it is the leftover of your outward man. That's why it says that we're getting a new outward body. It's not just fingers and toes. It's also the mind and the emotions of the outward man, the desires of the outward man. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. 
Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether as of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine in which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So here's what it's saying, that you used to be a slave to sin because you had a nature of sin. But now you have a nature of righteousness, and now you are to tell your mortal body, the outward man, the outward soul, you no longer tell me who I am. I tell you that you are a slave to the nature of righteousness which is in me. So the mortal body, the outward man, what I'm trying to paint here is the imagery that your outward man has its own desires and is a source of sin. Not you, but the outward man. And whether you give in to it or not is your choice. And whether you fight the desires of it or not is a choice. You're no longer a slave to it. It's supposed to be a slave to you. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, now so now present your members of slaves of righteousness for holiness. So now you're to take your body and say, you don't get to tell me who I am anymore. Even though I desire sin, I know that desire isn't me it's coming from my mortal body, from my natural man. And I can make it, I make a choice to make it bow its knee to the nature inside of me of righteousness. It doesn't tell me what to do anymore. I tell it what to do. You know how many Christians live their life serving their, their natural man, serving their natural soul, natural desires? Even ones who go to church faithfully, many of them are, are a Teasing their natural man and missing the mark of what God has for them. And they don't even know it. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. So when you were not born again, God did not expect you to be righteous. Because you, were, you had a nature of sin. But now that you're born again, righteousness is who you are. That's the new creature, the new creation. You actually became a new person the moment you were saved. But you're still wearing the body and the natural soul of the old person. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, your fruit you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you have the nature of Christ in you. And that nature of Christ has an image, it's like a seed that has an image of Jesus in his fullness. Of love and holiness. And now God's plan is for you to take that image and renew the inner man with the fruit of that image. Holiness and love. And then as that comes forward, you confront the outward man and you get to mortify its desires and deeds because you built up the inner man. This is the, the pathway of transformation. 
and I'm bothered so much by the message to the church. Hey, you have it all. Just walk it out. And so many Christians run down that path but stumble and struggle because they're, as they're running, trying to fulfill the will of God. They're running into this, this struggle within their own selves of unholiness, of desires that are trying to get them to miss the mark of God and to appease Him. That's the natural man. Let's go over here to, where do I want to go? Uh, Galatians. Let's head over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Praise God. I'm very excited to be able to teach this with you today. My prayer is that you can begin to understand it the way that God showed it to me. Because it helped me to understand that my struggles did not mean I was failing. The fact that I was desiring less, you know, it's like, it's not just the sin. This is where much of the church misses it. They put away the cigarettes, they put away the alcohol, and they think they've tackled their flesh, but their flesh is so much more. I'm reminded of the man who who came for prayer, and he said, I just need you to pray for my family. I'm having a hard time with my wife. She's getting ready to leave me, and it's not her, it's me. And I remember telling him, it's it's you, it's not her. She's trying everything to make me love her, but I just, she walks in the room and I hate her. <laughs> and she's trying everything to make me accept her, but now I've worn her down so much that she's getting ready to leave me. And I found out that when he was a child, I think he was seven, he went on a trip with his mom and her boyfriend and her, his sister to go visit his grandmother. And while he is visiting his grandmother in the kitchen, he heard the car start and drive, start to drive off. He ran outside. He said, I knew what was going on. She was going to abandon me at my grandma's. And I grabbed hold of the back door handle of the car. And my, I watched my mom lean over and tell his sister, don't you dare unlock that door. And the, the boyfriend was driving off. And he said, I ran I ran as fast as I could, as long as I could, and I, I fell off at seven years old. I, I ran out of energy, and I just kind of fell off into the ditch and rolled in the ditch as they continued to drive off and leave me at my grandma's. And see, the Lord was showing me what I'm teaching you today, some of this back then, and I remember thinking, I know what happened. The natural soul said to itself, I'm going to protect you. And it built a a fortress around that hurt that that seven-year-old boy felt. Uh, we have a little puppy dog that's now eight years old. But when he was just a little puppy, we, we put up one of those little kid fences to stop him from going into the kitchen. And when he was just a little puppy, the fence fell over and didn't hit him. But it scared him. And eight years later, this is a dog. Eight years later, all I have to do for this dog that is big enough to handle the fence now is put that little fence up and it will it will get scared. My little puppy dog, now eight years old, um, is scared of a little fence because something that happened eight years ago when it was small. They say an elephant, They when it's small, they tie a 
a rope around its foot and tie it to a pole and the elephant can't get free from that pole. And then when it's full grown and it weighs, you know, two tons and it can destroy any pole, uh, all they have to do is put a rope around its foot and the elephant will just stand there because it, it thinks it's been trained to not fight the pole. Well, that's what I'm trying to describe as the natural soul. It is its own ability, it has its own ability to take charge of your life and in essence try to protect you or teach you who you are. There was one story I heard of a guy that he was training his child how to be a a roper, you know, to rope cattle. And so he started with a little goat. He bought a goat, and and he, he took his kid, and I think it was a girl, got her a horse, and they would take the goat and release it, and the little girl on her little horse would take the rope and and chase it and and throw it around its neck and it would do that it used that goat for a year and many times a day it would that little girl would practice roping the goat and she got so good that she would could catch the goat about halfway across the field and every time they released it the goat would run and she would get the rope around the goat's neck about halfway across the field and then pull it back and and the horse would stop and then she'd run and tie up the goat's leg and pretend it was like a, a, a calf. And she was training for the future to be a great roper. Well, one day, after a year of this, the goat she let the goat go and something went wrong. She dropped the rope or something. And that goat would take off the first part of the year. For the first year, that little goat would look into the field and think, I'm running away for freedom. I'm free and he would run as fast as he could. And, and throughout the year, every time she let him go, he would think, I'm, I'm free, I'm free. I'm, and he'd run for freedom. And she would catch him halfway across the field. And he'd, his neck would get yanked and he'd fall down. And she'd tie his legs and then untie him and bring him back and do that again many times a day for a year. And then this time, I think she dropped the rope or something happened. And the goat took off running and got right to half the field. He didn't realize she wasn't chasing him because she dropped the rope. And when he got halfway to the field, that goat just fell over and lay there because it had been trained by life, by experience, that this is as far as you get. And so many believers are trapped in that same mentality. And the world tries to bring a fight in you to break those kind of mentality, but that, that mentality is from your natural man. And see, that's the natural soul. That's the part of you that you're supposed to submit to righteousness, the new man, the new nature. Not just smoking and drinking, but those ideas that you're less than what God says you are. And that you're restricted in life in succeeding because of who you are, because of your past. But there's a voice that comes in your, in, from your natural man that says to you, this is enough. You don't need to do that. It is the natural soul, part of your soul. So this man who was abandoned as a child by his mom, the Lord showed me right when he was talking. I said, I I get it. I see what's going on. I said, what's going on is when you were seven years old, you were abandoned by your mom. And your natural part of your soul 
the natural man, the natural part of your soul, said to itself, Don't worry, little brother. I'm going to protect you. We're never going to let this happen again. We'll never, ever let a woman have the power to abandon you and break your heart ever again. And uh, just like my little puppy dog walks up to that gate and there's something in him that says, that gate can hurt you. I'm going to stop you from going in front of that gate. It's going to pre- I'm protecting you. My dog will stop in front of the gate that that's, he's almost as big as because of his soul is protecting him. His, you have a natural soul. He's just all animal. Just like the elephant says, don't even try. Don't even try to, to move because you're tied to a stake, tied to a, a powerful pole. And the elephant says, uh, okay, he submits to it, where he could easily walk off. Just like that little goat, his natural, his soul, his natural man, his soul told him, okay, stop here in the middle of the field because this is as far as you are going. Well, that's what happened to this man. He ran into his natural soul. And when he was dating this girl, he said, I loved her. Everything about her was exciting. But the moment I got married to her and put a ring on her finger, ever since then, when she walks in the room, something in me hates her, wants to get rid of her. But I love her. And I, she's the best woman there is. But there's just something in me that I hate that she's even in the room with me. In learning this about what I'm teaching you today, I said, I know what happened. The natural man, the natural part of your soul, when you were seven, build a fortress around being hurt by a woman that can abandon you. And it said, I will protect you. We will never let a woman have the power to abandon you again, to hurt you this way. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a choice. This was his natural soul taking charge of protecting him. Just like my little dog stops when he ever sees that fence because his, his little soul says, stop. And, and so I said, everything was great when you were dating her because you were just dating her. But the moment you put a ring on her finger, you made a choice to give a woman the power to abandon you. She's not trying to abandon you. She's trying to make it work. But you gave her the power to abandon you because you made her your wife. You made a lifelong commitment. And now your natural soul is fighting that decision because it does, it's trying to protect itself and you from being hurt by a woman. So it is punishing you because you let her into your life with the authority to walk away. And now that natural soul is pitching a fit, making you have emotions of anger when she walks in the room, giving you emotions of anger and and hatred, trying to get you to make the choice to get rid of her so that the soul, the natural man, doesn't have to be in the place where a woman could abandon you again. It's making you abandon her first and is trying to make you and convince you through emotions chemically based emotions that you need to get rid of her because you put her in a place to abandon you and see he thought he if he described it he says i hate her 
But really the right answer is, no, your natural man is releasing hatred towards her because you put her in a place where she can abandon you by getting married. I want us to read here in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is your the fruit of your new nature, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Then look here what it says. With its passions and desires. So I want you to see that within your flesh, your outward man, is passions and desires. So you've crucified the flesh with its, the flesh, the outward man, actually has passions and desires. Now, look at your hand. And when does your hand, this instrument of yours, when does it tell you what to do? See, the desires and the passions are not within your fingers. It's talking about the natural soul, the natural man that you are still wearing, the natural brain, the natural intellect, the natural emotions. That is who you're supposed to crucify, not just the old man, the old nature, but this flesh with its passions and desires. So the desires and passions are not from you anymore because you are a child of God. They are from your natural man trying to lead your life. And don't make the mistake of just accepting, hey, I don't smoke or drink anymore. I got it all together. I'm good. Don't make that mistake because it's talking about even the limitations that your natural man will put on you. will say, we can't do that. God's telling you, you can do something. And the natural man says, no, we fall halfway through the field because that's who we are. That's not who you are anymore. Quit letting the natural man dictate to you who you are and what you can do. You are a child of God. You are born of him. You are a new man. But you still have to fight against the leftover of the old man called your body or more specifically, the natural part of your soul mind, will, and uh, mind, desires, and emotions. That's in the natural man. It desires things that are going to limit you in life, and you aren't limited anymore. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 7. Colossians 3, verse 7. In which you you yourself once walked when you lived in them. Talking about sin. Well, we'll go up to verse 5. Therefore, put to death or mortify your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. See, these things we are to put to death. Well, what are we, where are they? They're in your natural man the natural part of your soul. Because of these things, the wrath of God's come upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived with them, but now you yourself are to put off all these. So we're to put off all of these. Um, Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. So we're to put these off. Do not lie to one another. 
since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So here it tells us where the desire to lie comes from. It's within the old man. What is the old man? The old man is the old nature, but also the leftover of the old man is this body that you're wearing, the natural soul. When it says the natural man, when it says mortify the deeds of the body or the body, it's not just talking about your fingers and toes. It's talking about the natural man, the leftover from the old man, the Alan. Alan did not get saved. I got saved, but Alan did not. That's why when I go to heaven, my father, who birthed me in my new nature, in my salvation, birthed me, has a name for me that he picked out. He's not even accepting the name that my first parents picked because he's not the father of Alan. He's the father of me. Alan died the day I was born again. But what was left over was the natural man of Alan, the natural emotions, the natural soul. And here's the word I want you to see. It's so powerful when you see it. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with, and here it says, his deeds. The old man with his deeds. So take another look at your hand. Just take a moment, look at your hands. Now, let me ask you, when you look at your hands, do you say those are his hands or her hands? Or do you say those are my hands? Now, technically here, why this is so powerful, because it's telling you that you call the old man him. Now, whether you're a boy or a girl depends if it's her or him, of course. But I call it him. In other words... The desire for me to lie doesn't come from me. It comes from Alan, from him. When I get hungry, there's a little growling in the stomach. It goes, and it says, feed me, feed me. Well, fasting means that I get to tell that hunger, no, that's what fasting is. I'm in charge, not you. See, technically what I should say is not that I'm hungry, because really, as a born-again believer, the only thing that I'm really hungry for is the will of my Father and the Word of God. So I could say at lunchtime that he's hungry, Alan's hungry, and I'm choosing to feed him. Now, let's stop there for a second. He's hungry, since we put off the old man with his deeds. So the desires for sin, the desires to fall short, is not from you. It's from the old you. For me, I would say, Alan's hungry. He's hungry. And why fasting is so important, because then it, it emphasizes that I choose to feed Alan. He doesn't tell me. I choose to feed him. He is the struggle. He's the one that's trying to tell me it's okay not to pray because praying makes him lose power. It's okay not to fast. He's the one who's trying to direct my life from the brokenness of my past. He's trying to protect me. I don't want his protection anymore. I want him to to die. I had a a vision one time, and, and I'm trying to close here. I'm going to give one more quick verse, and while you're turning there, I'll tell you the vision I had. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So I had this vision where 
I walked into the presence of God. And I was walking in, and there was God, and his face lit up. He was on the throne. And he said, oh, my, my child, come. And he was so excited to see me. And then his face went from smiling to very stern. And I remember in the vision, I was looking at him, and I was wondering, why did he just turn stern? And he went smiling, really happy to see me To Who's that? He said very sternly, very strong. And in the vision, I turned and I looked, and there was in my hand a four-year-old boy. And in the vision, I told God, I said, Father, this is four-year-old Alan. And I said, God, I'm having a hard time receiving you as my father because I was four years old when my natural father died. And the only thing I remember of him is the day he died. And I said, four-year-old Alan got broken. And because he is broken and his father left him at four, I'm having a hard time accepting you that you won't leave me too. So I brought him into your presence, Father, for you to heal four-year-old Alan. So then I, grown up, can receive you fully as my father. And in this vision, God said, I'm not his father, I'm your father. And then he handed me a knife. And when I took the knife, he said, now kill him. See, that's the mortification, kill him. See, that brokenness in four-year-old Alan was trying to tell me, as a believer, how I could bring God into my life. And God didn't want to heal the brokenness of the flesh. He wanted me to mortify the brokenness of the flesh that was limiting me. And it wasn't me, it was the natural man. It was him that was broken. Alan was broken. I am not broken. I am fully complete in him as a child of God in my nature. And I can grow the love of God, the love of Jesus, and the holiness of Jesus in my life and then overtake the outward man. Uh, the one verse I'm going to read here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's writing, he says, Therefore I run the race, verse 26, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And then he tells you who he's fighting. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So the race that Paul's running and the fight that he's fighting is not against the devil, it's not against other people, it's against his outward man who's trying to tell him, this is who you are. And the kind of fight that he's talking about here, the type of discipline, is one where you, when I fight is one not as one who beats the air. He's talking in a language of, I beat the tar, I beat it black and blue, I punched his lights out, and I won. And he's telling you not to harm your natural skin or your body, but the natural man, the natural part of your soul that tries to tell you, who you are, that says you're limited in love, you're limited in life, you're limited in what God can do with you because of the brokenness. You may not even know why it's telling you, but there's a fortitude, a stronghold built in your natural mind, in the natural man that says you can't go there. And it's trying to protect you. It thinks it is, but it's really limiting you because your job now is to go mortify that, that stronghold, to kill it, 
to what is limiting you is the natural man. It's him. So you could say at noon, at lunchtime, I'm feeding him. He's hungry. I'm going to feed him. That's technically correct. The desire to not pray is not you. It's For me, it'd be Alan's trying to get me to not pray. Alan's trying to get me to live a lesser lifestyle. Alan's trying to get me to live in the natural world. But I am a supernatural creature born of the Spirit. God is the father of my inner man, not the father of my outward man. He's the father of my spirit, not the father of my flesh. You have a father who birthed you at your salvation. And he's telling you that all things are possible. And he wants to take you into impossible things, impossible situations where the world around you is changed by the power of God. But what's limiting you is the old man. That is the person, the body that you're wearing and the natural part of your soul that's left over. The emotions, the desires, the intellect of the natural man is trying to tell you who you are. And many Christians, because we just get taught to get busy and win the world, we take our natural man and we bring it in the church and conform it into a Christian. And the Lord told me, I didn't tell my church to conform themselves into Christianity. I told them to transform. God wants you and I to go from the species of Adam to the species of Christ, from one species to another, to transform while we're on this earth to where we walk like Jesus did in holiness and in love. And not just shine up our outward man to make it look good. We're to mortify the outward man. And the outward man is all of the desires of sin, of course, of smoking and drinking, but also the mindset, the the mentality, the natural part of your soul is trying to limit you because that's what it does. He, Alan, is limited in this world, but I am not because I'm a child of God. So the word I love out of Colossians is the old man and his deeds. That's telling you that he, Alan, is the source of my struggle. More than the devil, Alan is the source of my limitations. And my role as a believer is not just to retrain Alan, but to actually mortify him and say, you don't get to tell me who I am anymore. My Father, the Word of God, and my Father and the Holy Spirit, they tell me who I am and what I can do. And so when you feel that leading of God, when I started to make that big decision and and I heard a voice say, okay, let's doubly pray and let's fast. That was my natural man trying to earn approval of God by giving it an offering of extra prayer and extra fasting. And God told me that wasn't me. That was the natural man. The natural man speaks to you, but it's not you. He speaks to me every day, Alan does, and tries to tell me how to live, how to be successful, what makes me happy, and it's really all about Him. Where really what makes me happy as a child of God is is God and God's will for my life. That's the struggle. I hope I'm making sense and I'm hoping and praying that you're seeing, begin to see more and more how powerful and how necessary transformation is for you and for the church. 
that we have too many believers who are born again and going to heaven, living their life through their carnal outward man and not investing into their inner man. And the church has no power anymore where we're supposed to turn the world upside down. Let's keep praying in tongues. Let's keep worshiping. Let's keep fasting. Let's keep meditating on the word because we're building up the inner man and mortifying the outward man. Thank you so much for being with me. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.